Hello, buddies, fellow Franco fans. I almost felt like I was big bopper there. Hello, babe. No. Well, hello, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, the big bopper himself, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking uh, company, one-man band, I guess you'd say. So I identify with Uncle Jess so much. Um, and uh, right now, I'm on uh, Final Touches on Lady Hyde. Just did a bunch of color correction and um, doing some Foley and ADR now and stuff. And it's looking really good. I'm really happy with it. So, yeah, be on the lookout of that for that. Uh, let's see. We're recording this, actually, it's funny. Uh, recording this episode, Peek Behind the Curtain, on May 12th. And uh, Franco fans know that May 12th is Jess Franco's birthday. So, this episode, while technically will be released in June... Uh, is uh, recorded on the maestro's birthday, Mr. Jess Franco, Manera. So, happy birthday, wherever you are, Uncle Jess. Hopefully you're with Lena and um, Vernon and everybody have good times. Soldat and all that. So, anyway, um, kind of a nice little jumpy there <laughs> beginning. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, episode 91, film 91, Sinfonia Erratica. And uh, this is um, a Spanish Theatrical USA Blu-ray, it says here. Oh yeah, before we go any further, of course, all information on the making and technical aspects and all that stuff on this film is from the magnificent book by Stephen Thrower, Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2. Uh, all right, so yeah, it's a Spanish Theatrical where it played there and then when it came out here it was on Blu-ray uh, Spain and Portugal 1979 Spanish uh, let's see uh, alternative titles Sinfonia Erotica is the Italian video uh, Sinfonia oh I see okay and the second one is Sinfonia Erotica that's uh, SWE video uh, then we have uh, Cuerpos y Almas Shooting title reported in OB, uh, Bodies and Souls. Okay, so it translates to. And then uh, also it's known as Cuerpo Irama, singular. Uh, shooting title reported in MF. What's MF? Motherfucker. No. Uh, no Portuguese release on record. Okay. What about on 8-track? Or <laughs> I feel a little loopy, so I can already tell it's going to be a goofy episode. Good, good. All right, uh, so, uh, okay, uh, production companies, uh, Triton PC out of Madrid, and Estudio 8 out of Le Limited out of Lisbon. All right, here. Um, and uh, distribution companies, Barcino Films SA out of Spain, Portuguese distributor, Unknown. Parts unknown, weight unknown, Barcino Films. No. All right, timeline. Uh, shooting date on this is autumn of 1979. Kind of vague, but yeah. So, uh, Barcelona, uh, April 14th it premiered on 1980. So, uh, say, uh, maybe about f eight months, seven months later. Um, okay, and then it played Madrid on May 5th of 1980, and then Seville, July 21st of 1980, and finally Mori 
Marcia, M-U-R-C-I-A. I don't know if it's Marcia or Marcia, but yeah, Marcia. October 3rd, 1980. Uh, the theatrical running time on this is 84 minutes coming out of Spain. Uh, the Blu-ray running time, which is what I have in front of me, um, which I'm going to watch after recording this intro, uh, from the Mighty Severin uh, Blu-ray, that's 84 minutes. And speaking of Severin, uh, on their website today, they just posted that uh, they have some more Franco news coming up on their mid-year sale, which we know is going to be faceless, but I'm curious uh, if there's anything else they're going to sneak out. Because um, looking back on an update from a year ago, when they released um, uh, black boots and leather whips and uh, other things, and uh, what was it House of Lost Women? They said they still had other f- f- uh, films in the works and in different stages. So we'll see if they're going to release a few more. Hopefully, uh, okay. So then we have um, direct, and that's eighty-four minutes as well. The director of this is, of course, why we're here, Jess Franco. Writer Jess Franco, based on texts by the Marquis de Sade. It's an interesting way to phrase it. Executive producer Joaquin Dominguez, director of photography Juan Soler. Camera operator Jess Franco, original music Jess Franco. Concerto number no. four for piano and orchestra by Franz Liszt. Production manager, production manager Oscar Cruz. Assistant director Fernando Vidal Rubio. Script supervisor Luis Vidal Rubio. Second camera operator Lionel Efe. Assistant camera Fernando Dos Santos. Still for talk. Okay, set decorator Nicole Gutiard. That's Franco's ex wife. Uh, costumes Angelina Nunez. Yeah, it's interesting too on the um, jumping around a little bit on the Franco on the Sinfonia Erotica Blu ray. I watched the Jess Franco on First Wife, Nicole Gutierrez uh, interview with director Jess Franco. It's from 2013, and it was the last interview that he did with Severin. And it's really good because he talks about his wife, and I didn't know that much. And I guess um, I guess they had broken up around the time he was doing um, like Vampiros Lesbos and those films with Soledad, uh, which I didn't know that. I thought I thought it was with uh, Lena and all that later on, but no, they had they had just fallen apart as a couple. And uh, then later on, I guess she, because he said she got sick, and then later on, I guess she had a brain tumor um, years later, which I would guess would be after this, maybe in the early 80s or something. But yeah, it's, it was sad to hear about that. So, um, all right, well, back to the cast. Um, we have Lena Romay, but she's billed as Candace Coster. So this is one of the Candy Coster films. And she plays, of course, the role of Martine de Brezac, which is, of course, a famous name in the Marquis de Sade literature. Armando Salent as Armando Borges. Uh, Marquise Armando de Brezac. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. Um, and then Mel Rodrigo as Flore, returning again uh, after an absence of a film. Uh, Susan Hayward is returning as well as Norma the Nun. And then we have Adia Guviera as Wanda the Maid. Albano, Al- Albino Grazinha as Dr. Luis and George Santos as your Armando's servant. And, of course, we read the synopsis with the review. So, um, okay, here we go. Production notes. Um, as the darkening leaves on the tree suggest in the opening credits, Sinfonia Erotica was shot in the autumn of 1979. The schedule and location also provided Franco with the opportunity to grab scenes for his revised version of Opuela de Fuego, 
aka two female spies with flowered panties. Yeah, we had done that earlier. Um, a lot of the footage, like they were saying, the half-hour footage was shot during this time frame. The one stuff with Susan Hayward, I mean, uh, with um, uh, Susan Hemingway, I'm sorry, and um, the, the ball-headed dude, Yul Sanders guy, and uh, those people like that. So, All right, uh, review. Marking Franco's only foray into the fully bisexual aspects of the Marquis de Sade, Sinfonia Erotica takes a single segment from the author's novel Justine, namely the de Brezac encounter, and mixes it with elements from the same writer's short story Eugénie de Franval. Like Franco's earlier How to Seduce a Virgin, Sinfonia Erotica depicts Sedean libertines who feel no love for anyone but themselves and whose alliances are contingent on self-interest and riddled with secret loathing. All of the characters lie and cheat and plot behind each other's backs and the director observes these monsters dispassionately with only the unfortunate Martine de Brezac, wife to a cold and contemptuous homosexual regarded with sympathy. Partially because of the period setting and partially because of the score by Liszt, Sinfonia Erotica possesses a unique aura for a Franco film, a feeling of class, wealth, and sophistication, which inspires Franco to flights of visual poetry whilst at the same time screaming to I'm sorry, seeming to mock the misery of its central character, who may as well be fighting for her life among the dregs of the gutter for all the comfort and easeful luxury her surroundings afford her. Nevertheless, Sinfonia Erotica falls on the sympathetic side of the line in Franco's work, that line being the division between the celebration of sadistic jouissance and a kind of melancholic pity for the victims. It's an odd flavor to introduce in a film like this. Sinfonia Erotica draws narrative elements from Dassad, but they are contradicted by a misplaced sympathy for the tiresome Miss Rezac. In a cast full of monsters, Martine suffers because she embraces her victimhood, allowing love to become a masochistic imperative. I wonder whether Franco is aiming for an especially subtle form of black humor akin to Assad's glowing testimonials to the fortitude of his victims, testimonials which are in fact gloatingly insincere, refined, sort of knife-twisting. If so, he slightly misjudges the ingredients. Despite the hints of mockery, Martine ends up a figure of pity. I think because Franco cannot bring himself to celebrate the homosexual trickster in this tale, Armando de Brezac. His Sedean women are low-key of perverse admiration. Armando is simply a creature whom Franco observes, a machine part in the trap ensnaring Martine. Wanda, the maid who tries to intervene for her lady's sake, voices a bourgeois sense of right and wrong. She's judgmental about Flory's perversion, and thus she's the mouthpiece of Sanctimonious piety, for which Saad would have had nothing but contempt. The problem is that no one counters her judgment in the film. The male libertines, for instance, are not given the aggressive loquaciousness typical of Saad's characters. What's needed is a visiting Domance figure, Domance being the mouthpiece of Saad himself in his novel Philosophy in the Bedroom, as played by Christopher Lee in Franco's 1969 film Eugenie, the story of her journey into perversion. 
either that or Armando himself ought to occupy the rhetorical position. Instead, the murderous passion of the character is depicted at arm's length, and it's hard to avoid the impression that the reason for this is his homosexuality. The philosophical lacuna means that Sinfontia Erotica fails to meet the challenge of Saad's sexual omnivorousness. Nice word. Homosexuality is presented as a threat to the happiness of bourgeois marriage, while the Marquis de Brazac, seduced by a fey young male who envies his way into the marital mansion. There is no sense in which homosexual desire, as per Saad, is recognized as a sovereign state of eroticism. It's simply an obstacle to the wilting heroine's happiness. All right. Uh, let's see. On a more positive note, Sinfonia Erotica is a technical and delicious. De- oh, sorry, is a technical and delirious tour de force, boasting the most sustained use of spirituality, disorienting, soft focus close-ups so far in Franco's career. There you go. That's cool. Uh, the use of light, in particular, is striking and inventive, with many shots allowing intense sunshine to overload the camera. If the aim is to represent the fragile, confused mind of the unfortunate Martine, then the job is beautifully done. One observes characters swimming through the gloom of the Brassac Chateau-like race, seen under the influence of a rapidly encroaching anesthesiac. That's so silly. Uh, by limiting the cast to seven people and rarely allowing any of them to escape the stifling unhappiness of the mansion's interior... Franco locks us in a morbid prison that may look like a palace, but like the castle of Dr. Fisherman and Dr. Orloff's monsters, bring monster, sorry, brings no one any pleasure. Music and image repeatedly converge into hallucinatory paroxysms, paroxysms, abstracting bodies, shadows, and details of opulent furnishings into a dream space beyond rationality. The unlikely romance that seems set to blossom between Flore and Norma takes us outside into the mansion gardens, but their ill-crossed tenderness doesn't stand a chance against the claustrophobic horrors summoned elsewhere. Only Franco could conceive a romance between a languidly feminine homosexual and a virginal uptight nun. Even when the time comes for Martine to leave the house, it seems there's no escape as she leaves with Dr. Luz... He remarks, oh so casually, we will be together with you, we will be together with your fortune far away from here. It would seem that even this noble and chivalrous character has more in mind the love and the well-being of his patient, in which case Martine's suffering is surely set to continue. Cast and crew, uh, Franco's marriage may have been over, but his ex-wife Nicole continued to visit him while he worked. She's credited with set decorations on Symphonia Erotica, editing on Abrasanones Sexuales de Una Major Casada, was it, uh, and Eugenie Histori- uh, Eugenia Histrom Version, and Devil Hunter, and makeup on Chicas of Cocobana, The Sadist Notre Dame, and Lago de la Virgins. Virgins. Antonia Mayans, however, states that she did not actually work on the films. We'll see. Uh, music. Unusually, in Franco's career, most of the music is drawn from the work of a prominent composer, Franz Liszt. Although the credits misattributed hit the compositions used, the compositions used. There is no fourth concerto for piano and orchestra. It's the second concerto that's employed here. 
Although Liszt, alongside Liszt, were treated to a prime selection of chili synthesizer cues by Franco and Daniel J. White, accompanied by a feverish ghostwriter of echoes, cries, whispers, and moans. Nice. Uh, locations: the main house. I'm um, sorry. Uh, the main location is the neoclassical Palacio del Setias in Sintra, Portugal, located in the winding forest roads above Sintra, and surrounded by expansive grounds and an ornamental garden. It has been a luxury hotel and restaurant since 1954. The incredible Palacio de Peña, perched perched on a high hilltop, can be seen in the couple of shots from the window of the Plicio de Sertius. The horse-drawn buggy in which Lina Romain and Albino Graziani approach the palace in the opening shots is the property of the hotel, and visitors can still travel the grounds in this fashion today. Nice. Other versions. An Italian video release reportedly features several small cuts from the Spanish version and re-edits the soundtrack to remove many of the echoed cries and moans which do so much to carry the film's odd, hallucinatory mood. That's interesting. Uh, the redubbed dialogue also makes changes to the intended sense of the original. According to Franco scholar Francesco Ciari, it is often overacted and sometimes coarse and unsatisfactory in comparison with the sobriety and intimacy of the Spanish. Uh, the film should not be confused with Symph- Symphonie Erotique, the French release title from Julia Sixteen distributor for Joe D'Amato's 1986 film Blue Erotic Climax. It's funny, Joe D'Amato, we're just talking about him today with um, the bonus episode I did last year for Franco's birthday, um, Emmanuel and the Deadly Black Cobra, or as Franco had done it, Black Cobra, the film he was going to do with uh, Vincent Price and Peter Cushing and Harry Allen Towers, and it was left on the table, and then uh, D'Amato picked it up, retitled it, put Laura Gims in her, and instead of uh, Vincent Price, put in Jack Plants, and uh, called it Emmanuel, or Black Cobra, or whatever. So, Daily Black Cobra. So, yeah, that's that. So, all right. Uh, hang out after the break, or after the bumper music, and you'll hear my review along with Collie uh, returning from Los Angeles, California. And she will be uh, discussing this film with me. I believe she's seen it more than once, maybe two or three times. I don't know. I'll, I'll ask her when she comes on board and uh, see what she likes about this film. So, all right, let me do some quick plugs here. It's always easier with this side of the bumper with a guest. Uh, let's see. We've got donation button, of course. Feel free to donate if you can so incline, either one-time payment or reoccurring or whatever you are feel like doing. Uh, download the episodes, please, every week when they come out. Uh, and subscribe is important. I guess we're on like about eight or ten platforms now, um, somewhere around there. Amazon, Google, Apple, Podbaby, Stitcher. Um, I looked a bunch of them the other day. I should have wrote them down. But, yeah, we're on a lot of platforms. So check us out and uh, subscribe and rate and share. Please rate. Let us uh, on Apple Podcasts, you can rate us, give us five stars, tell people that you like us, tell your friends about us, uh, share the share the podcast, especially on Franco's birthday. Let everybody know why we all love Uncle Jess and why you should listen to this show, your only weekly Jess Franco podcast. Uh, we're also, if you want to get a hold of us, please do so. Uh, you can write us a good old-fashioned email 
at uh, FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. That's FrancoObserver, one word, at Yahoo.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. we got a Franco Observer page there. Franco Observer podcast page, excuse me. And we have the Franco Observer podcast page on Instagram as well. Always putting a lot of stuff up there. So add us, follow us, and tell us you listen to the show. I would appreciate it. Uh, cool. So that's all that good old stuff. Uh, hang out, and you'll hear my views and Collie's views and see what items make the list of the Franco list for Sinfonia Erotica. So, buenas noches, maha. All right, so we are back with the Franco Observer Podcast, episode 91, film 91, Sinfonia Erotica. Uh, this is an interesting deal because uh, some of these we have Zoom podcasts, and uh, today's guest for Sinfonia Erotica, my um, guest reviewer is Miss Colley from Los Angeles, California, and right now um, she is stuck in traffic. You know the famous LA traffic, so. I'm going to go ahead and do the synopsis and go over the Franco list um, and then do a quick pause. And then when she joins us, we'll, we'll go through, we'll talk about the film proper and uh, do it that way. That way, because uh, we are on the time um, restraints today. So uh, this way we can get everything covered and all that good jazz. Um, I'll just quickly say I just finished watching Sinfonia Erotica, and uh, I liked it, but uh, it's different than I thought. So anyway, here we go. Synopsis. The rich but deeply unhappy Martine de Brezac is hopelessly in love with her libertine husband, the Marquis Armando de Brezac despite the fact that he recently had her committed to a mental institution in order to devote more time to his male lover, Flor. Discharged from the hospital by the sympathetic Dr. Lois, Martine returns home to the Palace of Therese and finds that her husband is as attentive as ever and has now established Flor in the household and his bed. One afternoon, Flora and Armando find Norma, a young nun, unconscious on the grounds of the palace. They bring her home, or they bring her to the house and ravish her. The girl is forced to stay and take care of Martine. For a while, the two women bond, but then Norma falls under the spell of Flora, who professes his love for her. Despite feeling guilty, Norma joins in with the victimization of Martine. When um, Armando realizes that his male lover is now infatuated with Norma, he decides not only to get rid of his wife, but also to punish Flora's betrayal. Meanwhile, Dr. Lloyds, having been 
averted to the goings-on at the Brezak houses, house by the family's maid Wanda, sets in motion his own response to the tragedy of Martine. So, that's the synopsis of Sinfonia Erotica, which sounds quite familiar if you're a Jess Franco fan, as uh, that plot line is uh, a mishmash of a few different um, Marquis de Sade writings uh, and also uh, a few um, Franco films as well. So, um, yeah. Very interesting there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do the list kind of quickly here. Well, not quickly, actually. I'll take my time doing this and uh, go over just those parts. Um, number one on the Franco, famous Franco, or Jason's famous Franco list. Uh, number one, body of water. Yes, we have quite a few great shots of bodies of water in this. Uh, and he shoots it very well with a uh, kind of a soft lens and catches a lot of reflection, light refractions and everything, which is really, really beautiful photography in this. But I'll save that for talking with her. Uh, number two, sailboat or number three, boats of any kind. No, I, actually, there's no boats in this film, which is interesting because boats are freedom and there's really not a lot of free. Well, there's freedom, but she's controlled and everything. So. Uh, number four, palm trees. Yes, there are quite a few palm trees in the film on the grounds of uh, the estate and uh, the nearby paths. But yeah, you see a lot of good palm trees in this film. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. That would be negative. No jungle sound effects. Uh, not really emphasis on that. It's more sound effects of the moans and the classical music and, and uh, the voiceovers and that. Uh, number six, chained up person no not necessarily um lena we could say is chained up but we don't see her in any kind of shackles or confined to anything um she's wandering around and everything and uh so yeah we don't see anything like that uh number seven dance scenes on stage stripping wow this is actually now that i think about it one of the few franco films we don't see that so that would be no number eight club scenes dancing and that's another negative no on that Number nine, jazz music. Another no. Wow, a lot of no's on this. No chained up person, no dance scenes on stage, no club scenes dancing, and no jazz music. We have great music by uh, Franz Liszt. Uh, Franco chooses some great scores from him. And also there's some cool synthesizer stuff from Daniel White and Jess Franco and other uh, cues, musical cues and uh, cool little orchestra stuff but yeah not really any jazz in this film all classical because it's the environment and what the this the the, um, the scene the film the setting so jazz wouldn't pertain to that uh, number 10 excessive zooms not necessarily but on the flip side of that number 11 out of focus shots yes some are on purpose and others I think are just really soft that it's just, there's quite a bit of out of focus shots done deliberately or indeliberately that you'll definitely, if you're a fan or not a fan of out of focus shots, this is definitely a film for you. Uh, number 12 mirror shots. Yes. There's a couple good mirror shots in this that actually are important to the film because you see stuff going on that the other person doesn't see in the mirror and the mirror shows us, the next step of how the scene progresses. So mirrors are important in this film. Uh, number 13, mind control theme. Um, yeah, actually I would say yes, because 
Uh, Lena, of course, uh, her character, Martine, comes out of the institution. She's under the mind control of the doctor. Uh, and, of course, he has his own designs on her money and, and her wealth. Uh, and not really her health, but more of her wealth. So you see he has his designs on that. So, yeah, it's a subtle mind control. It's not hypnosis or it's not a implant or anything. But she is under his control. So uh, number 14 magic tongue scenes oh yeah uh there's a nice one of lena uh where she's uh going down on norma actually twice but one time you really see her tongue go to she does she uh really gets into it so yeah you see her tongue quite a bit so yeah definitely lena's magic tongue is uh rides in this film not a lot but but definitely uh, important when it counts uh, number 15, red lights. No, that's negative. No red lights in this. A lot of candlelight because there's non-electricity, uh, lanterns and candlelight. So that fits well. Uh, number 16, sheepskin rug, negative. Uh, number 16B, masturbation uh, with a C item. No more because Dietrich's not around. So I'll just say masturbation scenes. Yeah, there's definitely masturbation scenes in this. Uh, Lena's masturbating. Mostly um, boobs and her vagina and the Donna character, I don't think does because she's always busy and Wanda doesn't. So yeah, just, just Lena. Um, and let's see, number 17, mad scientist. Uh, I guess a doctor is maybe a mad doctor, but he's more of a crooked doctor. So I don't know. He has her under mind control, but he's not a really mad scientist. Uh, 18, fish tank shots. That would be zero, negative. 19, talking parrots. Nope, no talking animals, unfortunately. Uh, it wouldn't fit in this film. So no Buenas Noches Maha, no talking monkeys, no talking parrots, nothing good like that. Uh, let's see, number 20, in credits, yes or no? Yes, it says Finn, and it has full in credits and really beautiful cursive writing. So that's always much appreciated. Uh, number 22, spiral staircase shot. Yes, right in the end, actually, uh, when Lena is going down to, I guess, I guess it's the basement is where the final act happens. Um, and she's got the candelabra and she finds her husband and the other couple. And yeah, she, you see her going downward, which is more of a um, symbolic nature of like going down to hell. You know, she's kind of going down in a circle, like a, going to get down a spiral. So yes, very cool. Nice shot. Uh, 23 inept cops. Yes, because uh, everybody's crooked. Everybody's bought off. He, the Marquis uh, de Brezac talks about how he's bought off officials and, and doctors and other people in authority and, and stuff. So he's, he's beyond the law. So yeah, definitely inept cops because there really is no justice or law. Just, just justice for the, uh, just actually um, not justice, but actually, um, uh, punishment for the for the poor and uh, non punishment for the rich. Um, Twenty four belly chains. I'd uh, be negative. Uh, I'm skipping the kinks thing. Number six. Uh, great headboards. Uh, didn't really catch any headboards in this film. I didn't really look really close, but nothing caught my eye. Didn't make me go, oh yeah, that's on the list. So yeah, I didn't really catch that too much. Uh, 27, uh, fear or desire. I'm going to say desire because in my opinion, this film was the only want is desire. The only desire is want. So, uh, and they just desire everything. And of course you have Lena's fear in her mind and all that, but, uh, 
she's afraid that she's going to go away or, or, you know, she has the fear to her, but I think desire is the more stronger of this um, emotion in this film. And finally, number 28, acoustic guitar player. Uh, no acoustic guitar players in this film. We have servants and classical music. Lena plays the piano in a really good scene, but yeah, no acoustic guitar playing. So, so right now, what I'm going to go do is go ahead and just do a quick pause here. And uh, after that, you'll hear me and Kali talking about this film. So, all right. Talk to you soon. All right. So your uh, spectacular host is back with his equally spectacular guest uh, host this weekend, Miss Kali from L.A., just diving out of her car and putting on her makeup as we speak now. How are you today? <laughs> Hello. Good, good. Um, okay, so uh, let's jump right into this. Uh, have you seen this film before the other day? Yes. Have you seen it more than once before that? No. Okay. Uh, do you like this film? Yes, very much. What do you like about it? Um, the So many things. Um, the... This uh, rewatch was insanely perfectly timed because um, I uh, have lately been haunted by a guy who gaslit me more than anyone ever has. And so like getting to um, like, <laughs> feel like Franco understood. I feel like Franco so many times is the only one who really understands me. And yeah, he, you know, like, it's so great to watch Lena get gaslit and like, you know, how, how, you know, she's, you know, she's pining for this guy, but at the same time, all he wants to do is like hurt her and put her away. And, you know, just the, uh, the irony of that. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny because watching this, I could see some of you in the Lena character oh, here really? yeah just physically and just kind of her actions and there's a scene where i was laughing very sweet that you'd say physically because she is on fire in this she's like a prime lena like well, as hot as lena gets so woo. but but the way you carry yourself and talk and some of these things i was laughing because there's a scene that well, it's actually one scene that it's like oh my god just look at you wait she was like masturbating but she was like scratching her vagina like a fucking claw she was like <laughs> Like that scene where she was going, I was like, "Wow, looks like she's like scratching an itch," you know. The way she and, was just and that's going. how you envision me, envision me masturbating. I don't know. I guess just that motion of just that animalistic kind of. She's kind of like crawling, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, I kind of reminds me of Collie there for some reason." That was pretty good, you know. That works. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely a compliment. But so, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, no, this is a really cool film. Um, like the first 20 minutes or so, I didn't really know what to expect because it starts off kind of slow for me. And then like the second, third. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was kind of like not sure. I mean, I liked it, but I wasn't sure if it was something that I was digging or not, you know, because it was very different. It's, it's a very different Franco film. Did you not in, love how it started off by saying Candace Coster instead of Candace Oh, yeah, exactly. Coster? Like yeah. it's the classy version of Lena's <laughs> Porn name <laughs> exactly and there's a lot of talking like there's tons of voiceover narrative in the beginning of all of lena and it's cool it's very beautiful with all the cascading lights and all the sh- very beautiful but it's like in a carriage and it's this woman's thoughts just talk and talk and a lot of exposition and that and you're like 
okay, you know, and it's, but it's very <laughs> elegant. For 10 minutes, they're raping a nun. I don't understand where you're bored. Well, yeah, that's later on. And that's another silly scene. Oh, no, that's right. Like in the beginning, that's like, it starts off pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, they- yeah. The first, okay, well, let's go through then. Um, yeah, okay. It starts <laughs> off with Lena and her doctor on the carriage and they're going through like the, the forest lawns and everything is really beautiful. And you kind of see the, the dynamic between the two. And it almost comes full circle how the film starts and how it ends with their relationship and the way they are and everything. Um, and yeah. And, you know, watching this too, I was thinking, cause this was made in like 79 and Barry Lyndon was made in 1976. And there's always those seventies kind of, you know, movies that have this kind of setting that were kind of popular. So Franco was, you know, cash, not cashing in, but kind of following that trend of what was kind of popular. And Kubrick is, is a great director as well. So it's interesting that Kubrick did his Barry Lyndon. And a few years later, Kubrick, you know, uh, Franco did his, you know, Sinfonia Erotica. But, I, uh, I'm not super sure that I get the, I, that I, I, well, I mean, just the whole setting of the, you know, the castles and the couple and the, classical music and the carriages and the you know the time setting all the also too there's no electricity in this film everything's lit by candles like barry linden it's got a lot of i mean uh, it's a time period piece but i just passed that i'm not sure where like well i mean i mean i'm not saying it's exact rip off barry linden but i'm saying it fits in that same kind of a that type of film like where you'd watch (laughs) certain films just like bad news bears is similar to other you know sports movies or something i mean it takes place in that genre and that in that type of film you know it's not a slasher film it's not a are you with that rom-com it's you know it's that type of film you know i don't know if it's victorian or pre-victorian or whatever the right setting is but um (laughs) but yeah it definitely reminded me of that everybody's trying to be very elegant very classy everything's you know all the clothes all the pomper and stuff you know um yeah the the outfits are just divine i mean oh my gosh i i'm so obsessed with this movie i'm surprised that you so it took you a minute to get into it but then did you well it's just it's 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 uh but see it's it's very good because he's showing you how it goes it's very disorienting because you know all the light coming in through the trees and everything's very disoriented lena's mind frame is very disoriented you're trying to figure out if she's hearing ghosts if it's her thoughts if it's her desires if it's her truth or fiction or or what is it that all these words that she's telling you like what is all this what is it that you're taking in right now you know gosh i thought it was so clear i mean she's like praying to god to let her get to have sex she's like put your sex in my sex put your sex in my sex and then she sucks on her finger oh yeah now that scene yeah well, yeah yeah i mean oh sorry was that farther down yeah that's farther <laughs> down because first we have the two guys finding the nun and it's interesting we have this nun that we assume was raped or uh she was had an affair with somebody or something but she's discovered unconscious on the grounds of of their estate and these right. two guys like figure she's like a temptation and they're all about temptation and all about their own desires. So they figured it's like some message. So they take her away and now she's our possession. She's our property. She's our, she's our tool, our vessel, you know? Yeah. I love how they're like, well, are we going to send you back to the convent or are you going to fuck us? <laughs> are you going to service us? Right, right, right. And it's so, awesome. And it's awesome back. too, because it's almost like love letters of Portuguese nun it's the same actress and she's kind of run away from the convent now they found her you know right yeah 
So let's see. Um, so yeah, we have that. Um, one of my very favorite non-exploitation films of all time. I, I always think that it's such a great film and then I put it on for people and they're always like, this is an actual child. And they get like really upset. No one has ever watched that movie with me and thought it was okay. Yeah, but- I know. That's the thing. You, you watch it <laughs> and then you realize she's like 16 going on 17 when they film that you know she looks like she's 14 yeah i mean she's definitely looks younger than her age but uh but it's but it's interesting but i mean goddamn that's such a good movie even especially the ending the ending of that film is one of my favorite franco film endings just that the panic and everything is just so beautiful it's shot so well escalates so divinely yeah because you think they're almost going to get away with it and then the very end it's like nope here it is you know and just catches them right at the very end um Okay, and then we have, uh, bah, 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 bah. Um, oh yeah, so what's interesting is, so those two guys take the nun upstairs, and there's a good sequence where they're kind of messing around and filling her up when she's unconscious, and she's like bleeding between her legs, and they're like filling it, and everything oh, sparkles. Unconscious, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, they're doing all that upstairs yeah. while Lena's having this conversation with Wanda, who's like the cook and the, uh, I guess, the maid of the place. And that's an interesting transition because they're going back and forth between the two men and the nun and then Lena and her talking and they're going back and forth between the two sequences. And that's a really good, really good scene. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, I I went to wear, I don't mean to be rude. No, no, that's fine. (laughs) I'm actually getting a fashion show a little. uh, It's funny because (laughs) since this film had no uh, dancing scenes on stage or no strip tea scenes uh, as I'm recording this podcast now. It's funny. So, uh, yeah. okay. And then we have, um, uh, oh yeah. What I liked is, uh, all the lighted, uh, all the sparkling shots Franco did the sparkles of. Yes. Everything. Yes. There's like that really extended scene when she's, um, she's like, t- well, yeah, when she's talking to God and yeah. she's, like, there's that, like a whole like minute long, like where it's just sparkly, like, like water. And she's just begging, like you know god to she's begging god to let her be fucked which is you know magical yeah and she puts her fingers <laughs> in her mouth and like simulates a blow job and she's filling herself it's like oh i'm sorry i'm thinking this way and speaking to you in this manner but she's just but but yeah, yeah no, have pity pity me oh lord have mercy <laughs> but uh yeah no there's tons of everything that could sparkle sparkles water uh tears blood uh everything on anything that has liquid sparkles in this film and it's shot so well almost like uh shining sex was turned up you know isn't that like a way that you can do the camera where you get the diamond effect on everything yeah you can diffuse the filter and then hit the reflection at a certain angle and then sit there and try to add it's yeah adjusting the filters i used to know how to do that and that was like a favorite thing of mine to do and i don't even remember how to do it anymore it's been so long since those days yeah no yeah, but it's it yeah it was it was really pretty it's a, such a pretty movie the whole it thing. is and i and i really like the over some people might think it was too much but i think it was just perfect and i and i really loved those scenes in the film like that is all that just glittering and and uh really cool stuff you know so but uh yeah yeah so no, i I, th- I thought that was really good um Let's see what else we got. Oh, yeah. So this is where I'm at now. Um, Lena's prayers to God. Yeah. Where she does the simulated blowjob scene was pretty funny. <laughs> and then she gets her so fingers. I, I can't get over how that. I, I, yeah. I recorded that to 
be a dork and post up to Facebook for, I mean, Facebook, God, I haven't said Facebook in a hundred years to Instagram for Jess Franco's birthday. I was so proud of Lena for that moment. That fantastic. Yeah. And that's good that we're recording this. Cause I mentioned that in the top half of the part I did earlier, but yeah, it's, we're actually uh, recording this on Jess Franco's birthday and it's kind of, and we didn't plan oh. it that way, but it's funny how it fell out that way. So yeah, we haven't mentioned that. I weirdly, I, I would have thought that. We, yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about Jess all day because, you know, celebrated him last night and uh, celebrated him tonight. It was so nice watching Jess, watching this movie last night. And and I, I toasted to Jess and I even ate Dungeness crab as like a celebration of his birthday. I I really went all out to, yeah. I thought it was a celebration of. Uh, the, the, the only Jesus I will ever pray to. So. Exactly. I- <laughs> I thought the, I thought you ate crabs in celebration of uh, Lorna the Exorcist, where all the little crabs crawl out of her. <laughs> Lorna the Exorcist, love it. Yeah, that's a great. Scary. I don't. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there was. That's a good. God, you have a good memory. It's, yeah, no, because that scene is so amazing. She's like laying on that bed uh, naked, like with a mattress and all, and and you start seeing these crabs, like, and, they, and he shows these really close up shots between her legs, like all these crabs, live crabs crawling all over the bed and everything, and it's just like. Wow, he's actually went there, and they're showing it, and he's not pulling away, and it's really, 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 really good. Is it that one? That's good stuff. So Lena, yeah, Lena's totally okay. So before we go any more with Lena, Lena's really, really good in this film. Um, so good. She, she's so her eyes. She plays so much with her eyes. She plays so much with her facial emotions. She doesn't talk a lot, because she does all the voiceover things, and so she doesn't physically speak as much as she usually does, but she's communicating more with her eyes and her face, which is yeah, so, and she's really so strong well in this. So strong. Yeah. Def like oh I mean, there's so many scenes I like it where she's just saying it all with her eyes. That's such a good thing for you to point out. I love that you brought that up because I wouldn't have thought to bring it up, but it's like when you say it, I'm like, yes, yes, I was thinking that all along. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's yeah. scenes where somebody's talking to her and she'll move her eyes right to them and just keep blocked on that person. And, and Franco shows how close they are of her eyes and her looking and everything away, you know, all, all through that. And that's one thing with her is always her eyes. She's very funny because like the last film I did uh, was uh, The Girls of the Copacabana. And there's a cute scene where Lena's hiding under the bed and she's like peeking out underneath to see what's going on. And she, her eyes were all big and it was really funny. So like. <laughs> That's another way she uses her she's eyes. But here, eyes big, like she can pop them out and just make them like. But she's still cute. Like that's the magic of Lena. I mean, I I try to take pictures doing poses like that, where like you know she's got you know like you you bulge your eyes, and I just look straight crazy. Like right, I like just, Don knots or something. Not cute. <laughs> it, it looks like I'm going like ah, you know. It's just and most people are you know can't do that. Right. I can't pull it off. But she, you know, gives the big buggy eyes, and she just looks like you know some like instagram uh what do you call it those applications that you're supposed yeah. to put on to make your eyes look big and, and like a puppy dog cute or something you know? well see like me <laughs> i have work in real life but hers work like that in real life she- exactly <laughs> yeah because i have big eyes but like i have like big eyes like klaus kinski yeah. eyes where they're not like you know lena I eyes do that actually you can kind of do that you've done some cool tricks with your eyes i gotta i gotta I should caveat that. That's true, actually. Yeah, that's one thing. My eyes are always really big. It's part of my desperate visions and all that. It all ties together. But um, so anyway, so we have, um, so yeah, uh, Lena walks in. So we'll go back to Lena, how great she was. There's a scene where she walks in. 
Yes, like we could talk about that all day. We even get her magic tongue in this movie. Yeah, big time. Uh, but uh, first, speaking of magic tongues, she walks in and she finds her husband in bed with this other guy, Floor, and yeah. he's simulating giving the guy he's a blowjob. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's up in there. Yeah, and he's down there doing this little like tongue technique on it, kind of holding his hand in oh, front. He's working it, yeah. Uh, and her husband is is super appreciative. I love when he, oh, sorry. I think I'm going to get ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Actually, no, that's a scene I think we you talking about. Well, maybe, but yeah, because he's like laying in bed. And he's just really enjoying it. And you don't know if he's enjoying it as much as he's doing it to hurt her, I think, is more than he's enjoying it. And maybe he's enjoying it because he's hurting her. So it's that whole yeah. libertine cycle where he's feeding yeah, off. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you know, <laughs> the, the, the pleasure is just <laughs> circling strong with that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's feeding off the pain. And, you know, it's, it's just so, so crazy with that. But uh, yeah, and it's interesting. Like, that's an interesting scene. Like, talk about everything feeling out of someone that you don't even want to sleep with just to hurt the person who loves you. That's so, like, like, I don't know, like intense. <laughs> Well, with this, though, it's almost like he feels sorry for her that she loves him and he's only into her money and he's only into, you know, which the same as the doctor, as we learn at the end or in, in the beginning, too, that, you know, Lena's only as important as her money. And which is sad that, you know, that's that that is her worth. That's yeah, and he's trying to lock her away. We should make that super clear that like the the guy, he's gaslighting her and trying to get her to go crazy so that he can put her back into the mental asylum so that he can get all her money. And just live his life, O'Reilly. Right. And then he could pay off the doctor and everybody lives happily ever after because he's a man of power. And in all these areas, uh, the poor only get punishment and the law doesn't fit to the people of affluent power where he could buy off all the officials and and, uh, people of law or anything. And he's above and beyond the law. Um, with the way he lives and how he has his own little surroundings. Yeah. I mean, there's that part where the what is it the doctor like says about how he's you know gonna he doesn't want you know Lena to get stimulated or you know like upset and you know he reminds the doctor uh how he has his job and you know how he's you know how how his family has taken care of him and all that kind of stuff and how he's actually got the power over the doctor and yeah it's 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 well played out by Jess he definitely like ticks all the boxes of of like a woman in a position of being destroyed by a man. Yeah. <laughs> and also too, with the Desaad area of how they live in the isolation where they overlook a lot of the areas and they're their own Island where instead of being in an Island where in the other movies were in the Island surrounded by water, they're in an Island above the other society and the other, you know, and even on the grounds, you can yeah. see the Valley below and everything up. Oh, look at you looking at the terrain as a metaphor. Oh, it is. No, especially with the Desaad, how he built it as a, his own thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very well played and it's very well put, very well put together because by this time, you know, Frank was really into the Desaad mindset. So, yeah, you can, you can tell that from you reading Desaad and knowing Desaad to that level, then you know that, that that was what Franco was doing. That's interesting because, like I told you, I never could, I never could read Desaad, but, but yeah. yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's interesting. So decide was like into making those parallels of, of where you live and, and all of that. That's funny. Yeah. Always, you always want to remain outside of society and, and just on the fringes where you can still, you know, take some of the things from that culture, but still keep your own utopia and your own land, you know? But. That's interesting. That's sometimes how I feel mentally here in LA actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially in LA, it's just, you know, 
its own thing entirely. It's a different void, its own beast, its own thing, you know? Um, <laughs> For sure that. But no, okay, one thing I, we're talking about that, which fits well with what we just said, is actually uh, this film has so many beautiful exterior shots, castles, the grounds, the waters, statues, all Franco really took advantage of the areas of the, he shot so many beautiful exteriors of buildings and just the grounds of that place is just magnificent. And it's just, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love the shots of when there, um, Lena's going up and down the stairs, especially, I was actually going to ask you, I didn't rewind it. What did you think that when she was going after her husband and she was going down the, the stairs was her, her tits were out. Dude, right? See, that's the thing. Okay. So the, there's up, a shot where she comes down and I didn't know if it was a see-through shirt, but then they cut to a shot where she's walking in a hallway and she's clothed over her boobs. That's and I close. didn't know if it was for the Spanish thing, but then he showed her tits later. So tripped on that too. Cause I was like, yeah. wait, she was sure her boobs were deaf out. Like no, no, they were definitely out or some. I didn't want to like mess with my laptop, but I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so, okay. I'm glad you saw that too. That makes me feel like less like, yeah, no, no, I was like maybe I'm just imagining Lena's boobs. Was what I was <laughs> like. I just I just see Lena's boobs even when they're not there. No, because that's actually <laughs> that like one of the first appearances you see of her boobs. I think, and that's why I was like, "Whoa!" She finally shows her boobs, you know. And then later on, you see more and more. But um, but also too with Lena, as was another thing we talk about her in this film. She really tones down herself to make herself look like she's sick, like her skin. She has like a lot of like really bad, like she doesn't wear any makeup. You see that she has acne. She wears kind of like off makeup. She, really? I didn't see any acne. She looks gorgeous in this. No, film. but in this film, you could tell like she's kind of mentally disturbed and she made herself look like she was sick, like with her, her washed out, like her real washed out appearance and just very kind of sickly appearance I mean, of. I guess I didn't catch that because I mean she does have you know just super pale skin. So. Well, you know, I mean usually she wears makeup and lipstick and eyeshadow, and she shows you know she likes to always you know look an image, but in this she takes all that away and just tries to show that she's just. Sick. <laughs> it's funny. I guess that's why I think she's so beautiful in this. Film. Oh yeah, no, I mean don't get me wrong. She's beautiful. I mean she's beautiful teeth, eyes. I mean she's a beautiful yeah. woman in this thing. But I'm saying. But- I mean, I actually prefer her without makeup, I think. And so that would be, you know, I mean, most everyone on earth always says they prefer women without makeup. And that's always usually a bunch of crap because they usually have makeup on and they don't really. And she, she right. Exactly. They, they just want to a base or something not you heavily want, made, right? you want natural beauty we all do exactly natural beauty. <laughs> get in the morning with nothing on your face don't brush your teeth that's like a natural beauty okay that's a fucking real thing <laughs> <laughs> for anybody but yeah i mean but she but her her natural beauty really does shine through in this film i mean her you know you just see her beautiful eyes with those long eyelashes against that just supple skin she's just so i mean i was just so obsessed when i was watching her she's so beautiful i just see and you're obsessed with that and i was obsessed with the doctor's striped jacket that doctor had a fucking <laughs> most kick-ass jacket and the white tie Doc, dr lois yeah i thought that was bad i was like that fucking jacket and that jacket reminded me of uh resolvenieri's jacket in uh hear me i hear me pulling out uh, names uh resolvenieri's jacket in um uh what is that eugenie or whatever where she oh, wears that striped jacket. I definitely not remember that. I don't. I don't I'm know. sorry. Not 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 Eugene, but it's in. Uh, oh, um, um, Justine. No, or uh, yeah, Justine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't recall. Yeah, no, it's it's like a famous jacket <laughs> she wears with the striped thing, and she's uh, 
works for the guy that's a pimp and then she's killed. I, I think that's Justine. No, it's uh right around that period. But anyway, I'm I'm getting my titles mixed up. I mean, I did like the the way that the um the doctor had um uh he had like a, a or he he was like kind of I mean in the in the whole realm of treating a woman like she's crazy when you know she's probably not she's just in a situation it's that what is that quote you know like uh before you you know uh, consider yourself mental or whatever you know just make sure you're not surrounded by assholes or whatever that yeah. that, old, that old chestnut um the uh, the doctor is even telling her you know when he says he wants to put you back into the hospital so do what i said take your medication, stay, you know, like he's still condescending her and telling her like, take medication and like be, you know, like, it's like, she really doesn't have anyone on her side, you know, like he's acting like he is, but he's still trying to like, you know, treat her like a, some kind of, you know, condition and that when really she's just a woman who wants, you know, love and, 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 you know, right. The, and uh, your sex inside of my sex. <laughs> exactly. Happiness. All, all she's that, asking all for in the whole movie. I just want the sex inside of my sex. So we have, uh, let's see, we got, uh, she looks like this the Zoom thing says six. Why is it saying eight minutes left? What's oh, eight, eight minutes. Because I started it earlier and I had it on pause maybe for that half hour. So. That was you my bad. Totally change it. I don't care. I'm totally not rushing off anywhere. Yeah, no, but okay, I but I can restart it in one after this. So, but I just kind of seen that. Uh, okay, so let me go. Uh, so yeah, we have basically there's a really good dinner table sequence where Lena, where they're like cir- Franco circles the camera around the table like numerous times. Oh God, that that dinner scene so good. Yeah, and we get banana. Can I just say it first? We get banana. There you go, banana. Yeah, and they're all eating fruit really weird. Like, they're slicing oranges and apples and eating with forks and knives, and it's very bizarre. Like, they're eating meats <laughs> or big dishes, and they're just like a piece of fruit. I was like, I don't know. It's just very bizarre. It was I the thought. weirdest. No yeah. one that. That wasn't, that was, like, that was, there's there's not bananas in any dinner course. Like, there's no time that you sit around a dinner table and there are bananas to peel and eat. That's not a thing. Yeah, or an orange. <laughs> half peeled on a table with a fork it's like what i've never eaten an orange with a fork yeah Who fucks you eats even. orange with a fork <laughs> like, what is wrong with you it's fucking weird man it's like alice in wonderland or something i don't know um <laughs> yeah that was the dinner party from hell for lena for sure yeah that's fucking bizarre so um yeah so it was cool like you have all these distorted noises over the franz list score i thought was a really cool touch during all these sequences um and you have the whole libertarian mindset where they're all the libertines always plotting. They're always planning. They're always trying to screw over each person. And you see the mechanisms work between the two males and then the woman they bring in. And then the male goes off to her and the other one plots against the other one. And the other one comes in and it's just all timed and it just clicks off each other as it turns. Yeah. It, yeah. Wow. That was a good description. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. now you, you see that it happens. It's done really well, you know. Yeah, they they do bounce around a bit there, and it's, it's mental. I do. We, I don't think we touched on the part where uh, Lena seduces the. Was it the nun that she seduced? Yeah, like, I kind of skipped over that a little bit. Go, sort of yeah, um, Norma. Yeah, she. Uh, that's the first appearance you see of Lena's magic tongue, where Lena goes down on her like in full effect, and she like moves a wig out of the way and everything. She, Lena's until Lena was 
really going Lena for. Lena's just is such a special kind of woman that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Her, she's like, fuck husband. it. I don't care. I'll fucking wigs got to get out of the way. I'll fucking make sure it counts, you know. Yeah. She's just like, I'm going to go in for this woman. And uh, yeah, that was, that was good stuff. Just, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you can't get what you want, honey get the one you need or how's that song go uh, yeah you, you <laughs> can't get, get what you want you get what you, you love honey love oh that one yeah <laughs> love the one you're with yeah yeah um well speaking of her so by this yeah, time right there by this time her name's norma and she's delivering the hot milk to lena <sighs> which i didn't write that down so she's bringing the hot milk to lena and they're planning to like basically poison lena or give her this stimulant where she'll just be worked up and then she'll like uh, have sex and then die or whatever of like heart attack or whatever the thing. Oh, was. right. They're trying to talk the chicken to poisoning her and killing her. Yeah. Yeah. That and they're was- seducing her and working her over. And then by this time she, she goes for it and she's going to deliver the uh, hot milk to Lena. And uh, then he had these, the two guys come in the scene after she takes the potion and, uh, they're dressed up in like the top hats and scarves, almost like a dime store uh, impressionation of like the fabulous ones or something. It's pretty, pretty funny. Um, and Lena gets all into it and has sex with the three, actually the four of them. Well, one person, but the four of them join in. And unfortunately, Lena dies, quote unquote, and then her wig comes off. Did you catch your wig coming off in this scene? It did not catch the wig coming off, but I was very sad that Lena died. Yeah. But, and it was the only way that it, things could go. But yeah. Yeah. But Lena, I mean, getting to see Lena dying was kind of cool. I didn't catch the wig. I, I'm sorry. I was in a bath. I was. Yeah, I know. Because her wig comes off a little bit. And you see her hair underneath, like about just part way. Because I was like oh. looking up. There it is. And then it comes off. Because I was wondering if they were going to cut it, whatever. And they kept it in there. So I thought, okay, well, that's 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 cool, you know. And her hair's growing out a little bit by this time, but it's still shorter, you know. But uh, yeah, so you see the wig. And then, I don't know, I, I was kind of mad at that time because I was thinking, well, that's weird, you know, whatever, blah, 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 because I was hoping she was going to kill them and stuff. Lo and behold, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, then you, so then the changes to like this cool synthesizer music over her passing, and they're all laughing about it because the libertine, they have no emotion. They're just into their own money and their own wants, and they don't care about the person so they just ah poor lena poor or uh poor martine poor martine and they laugh because the poor is almost like poor she has no more money because she's poor but oh poor her so they're kind of laughing as they say poor martine um by the libertines it's funny um, oh i didn't catch that. i didn't catch it until i just said that I'm like, oh yeah interesting yeah. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> and then uh then we see norma and Floor kissing down by the shrubbery, and that's when the uh, uh, the uh, marquee decides to flip the switch and you know change a change a script on those two. Um, but uh, yeah, and even the uh, the glistening blood. So he comes in, he catches the two of them having sex, and he runs a a uh, a fencing duel. I don't know what that would be called a. Not a sword, a but a duel. <laughs> no, a fencer. A what's the thing they they stab with? If you when you fence, a uh, sword. I'm, I mean, that's yeah. I a fence, sword would be I yeah. I guess it's child. 
It's called I went, something. I went to private school. I went to Cardin Elencanto in grades five and six, and I did fencing. I wore the oh. mask and actually put my hand behind my okay. my uh, back and and fenced. And I do not remember what the thing was called other than a sword. So okay, I yeah, I thought sword was kind of a basic, but <laughs> yeah, it's a fencing sword, you know. But um, but yeah, so he runs that through, which is interesting because you don't see it, of course. But the blood, Franco shoots it with the glistening on the blood, which I thought was extra cool and extra extra neat. Um, and um, Lena goes down the spiral staircase like she's going down the vortex. And she finds uh, her guilty lover in front of her. And basically, uh, he doesn't know if it's her or if it's her ghost. And I'm curious by this time what happened if she had if she didn't take enough of the poison or if they faked her death or if it was a knockout drug or what it was. I'm curious. I know that was kind of weird that was, she just like all of a sudden is back alive. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, of course I just kind of giggled and was like, Oh, she's back. Wait, I don't understand how that happens, but it's just, so I don't really care. <laughs> like, you know, like he's just going to like do what he's going to do. And, and nobody's going to hate on Lena coming back. So I was just happy to see her back, like with her vengeful, beautiful hair all long. And she's just like, I am here to get what's mine. And that was so, she looked so fire. She was just like, yeah. And he starts, you know, being a complete pussy. He's crying like a complete, you know, little baby. All righty. So we're back after a brief technical thing. But uh, so we're back. So you were saying. Yeah, yeah. What was I I mean, I can't just I was ranting and like in in, in gushing as I do. And I, I can't just. Yeah. Well, I figured you were you were you were getting to the to the end Where of the sentence, So, yeah. Where was I? What you were talking about, um, we were talking about <laughs> Lena. Oh, yeah. About whether she took the poison or, or what it was that she, if she came back to death or what it was. But, I mean, she obviously wasn't a ghost because she's a real person because he says, I changed a death certificate from this to that. And, and, and you know. Oh, yes. No, I was so happy to see him blubbering like a little baby. Like that was like, oh, yeah, that was her sweetest revenge was just to see him like. Because I mean, his entire thing was about degrading her and and like you know and 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 making her look like a fool, and in the end, she gets to like relish and that he's like a pathetic, sobbing you know mess and just blubbering. Plus, Franco made his tears sparkle too. The tears sparkling. Oh, so sparkly and, yeah. and just like pouring down his face. And he's just like wussing out that he killed them. And I mean, he, he killed them because of jealousy. And right. that's the thing that like really is like what wounds his little spirit the most is that at the end of the day, he had to admit that, you know, he was, he had he felt something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had <healed. laughs> he felt that and he, and it made him yeah. mad. So he had to lash out. And then when he was sitting there by himself, ruminating on it and thinking of it, she appears and he's like, are you a specter? Are you, you know, are you a real yeah, person? Yeah. On? And then yeah, she goes, happening? and she doesn't tell him yes or no. She goes, exactly. And then she says the thing and it's like, you know, what the fuck? So yeah, she plays really well. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, the, I, I, that whole scene just where, you know, he stabs them simultaneously with the sword. I mean, the blood like was so nice how it like trickled down his yeah. back and his spine and just pulled there. And then by the time Lena gets there, you can see it's like kind of caked on a little, like it's, it's like coagulated and 
so you know that he's been crying a little bitch for a while and that was like I thought it was a nice touch you know it was like you could tell that time had passed because the blood had like done its thing and well on that guy though earlier just in a different scene but I I wanted to believe that it was intentional yeah I mean (laughs) earlier I mean we see that guy's got a hairy fucking like back and his ass his legs are so hairy that that uh fifth guy or piff whatever his name was so I'm sure the blood had no problem coagulating on that fucking mound of fucking hair that guy had right yeah yeah, yeah. oh my god his butt hair yeah when he was on top of uh, her fucking oh, her, the, yeah you see like what the fuck so yeah he's extreme. small of his back it's like a big puff so yeah. extreme yeah i mean like <laughs> i have a friend kyle faulkner who um he he uh, he's reviewed he's actually a legend um to me on uh, Letterbox, he has reviewed every single Franco film. He is the only human to have done that on mm-hmm. on Letterbox, and props to that. And but I I, I I'm constantly amused at his um he 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 actually like low stars and, and is dismayed at many of Jess's works because he has like such high standards. But and I, I think it's cute because he's you know he's a cinephile. Right. But um, but uh, he has this uh, thing where he's said a couple times in there how like he's like. You know, I like a, you know, a, a wild, you know, pussy, whatever, a wild, you right. know, genitalia, like, right. you know, like, like without it being all shaved and, and, you know, 2000s and all that. And I mean, as you know, I, I do not, you know, embark upon the waxing and shaving myself. I am anti right. all of that. But I, Kyle always makes the point he's like but I feel like in this movie I've seen him say this like I think three times in his reviews that it seems like Jess is looking for the people with the actual most hair (laughs) well yeah trying to find like the hairiest people but it's kind of cool though like if you think about it about trimming or you know, like, I mean, it gets to a certain point where you just want to be like, but wait, are we actual like animal? I mean, yes, yeah, that guy animals. looked partial animal though. I mean, watching right? that guy, like, it looks like an animal <laughs> man kind of. You're like, whoa, it's kind of. I mean, it fits that character, but it's just like a wolf man, right? Yeah, he's just like a satyr or something. You know, he's just <laughs> really, going, yeah, satyr you know? is better because he's like a curly haired and yeah, and he's straight hair. But yeah, like like the, the satyr, that's a perfect example. That's so that's so perfect because yeah, it has that like curly. Yeah, and he's furrier in the lower half. The top half, he's just got the little Holy, beard, a little, little bit of hair. goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah those, those goats. I tell you, you got to watch out for them. But yeah, yeah. So it's cool. So he gives that, and then the doctor says uh, to her, uh, "You'll be safe with me, with all your money." He makes sure to say to Lena. So it's like her money is is the thing. And so once again, she's still being abused by someone. She's still being controlled by someone. <laughs> but it's it's her money that keeps her going or keeps her afloat you know through everything so unfortunately you know yeah yeah it's all about the benjamins yeah and then i wrote down um i'd written down the only for me just thinking about this film earlier i went through the list of fear desire to me it's all about desire because this film is all about the desire of the, the the individual and i was thinking an old expression the only want is desire and the only desire is want and that's what a lot of this kind of summates to me. So, the only want is desire, and the only desire is want. I suppose it's a bit redundant. It is, but it isn't because the wanting <laughs> is wanting a love, and a desire is more of a, a feverish desire, and a wants more of a a want. Is it? Yeah, like saying 
I desire. I don't know. I mean, because I would think a desire is more like I desire sex or I desire a blowjob. I desire fucking. But it's like I want a relationship, people say, or I want this. People don't say I desire a relationship. You don't really hear that. You hear I want a relationship. Hmm. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) No more. So, yeah, so that's 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 what I thought about this film. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a good film. Uh, so you're getting close to our our rap time. So uh, we're totally fine. We totally fine. Any so, any uh, any more words on this fine film that you want to share with the listeners at home? Hmm. Any more words on this fine film? Uh, gosh, I mean, I just. uh I just had such a spectacular time with it last night. It was just so lovely. I, I just, I don't know. I, I really recommend watching this movie in a bubble bath while eating a Dungeness crab and asparagus. Make sure to like add a little bit of red pepper flake, balsamic vinegar, fresh lemon to the asparagus, bake them like, you know, make them toast, some sea salt, of course. But yeah, do all that and, and watch this movie in a bath. This is my recommendation I think that is the proper way to watch this movie because I don't think that I could have enjoyed it any more than I did last night. And that's how I did it. And, and yeah, that was really, it was very comforting to me. If you've ever been uh, messed with by a dude, this is like a good therapeutic film to watch. (laughs) And if you have asparagus and you take a piss later, you can enjoy it twice. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's my <laughs> my thought of that. But uh yeah, you know, and um yeah, no, this is this is a very good mental film. It's it's uh it's different for Franco because he shows uh these two bisexual men and that coupling and then it's totally different for Franco cinema, which is interesting. Lena kind of plays against type. She's you know, Sorry. she's a she's a victim, she doesn't really get to show her sexuality, she's very constrained, so there's a lot of different couplings in this and uh, it's a different, different part of Franco's career. And uh, I definitely enjoyed it. It's different. Uh, you know, um, I liked it. Sure. And- I mean, it's really interesting. You bring that. I, I, it's strange. We didn't even talk about that because there's so many weird moments in Franco films where like, he, I mean, he's obviously always for women on women, you know, yeah, being of course. Most, but men on men, he always kind of drags and he's, you know, been like, you know, phobic about lots of situations, but like in this one, he just goes balls the wall with it. He's just like, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of like other Franco where you see a guy sucking a guy's dick. There's the only one I know of until maybe okay. later on. I'm not sure because that's what I was saying to me. It's such a bizarre Franco film because it's all different stuff. There's no strip tease scenes. There's no stripper on stage. There's no bar. There's no all these typical Franco stuff is not in there's guys doing it. I mean, I'm like, what kind of film I mean, is this? It's very different. Thing is, yeah. Know. But you can still have a strip tea scene or, I mean, there's something you can mix in or, I don't know, just a lot it of stuff. Is just, I don't know if there's a strip tea. Scene. Yeah. But to me, it's like, it's like a formula. It's a list. And then I have a checklist. And I go through and it's like, <laughs> wow, like, this, <laughs> this one's like zero for fucking 10, you know, what the fuck, you know? Hey, if you get Lena's magic ton, I'm, I'm That's true. There's, there's Lena's magnet, ton, but there's like no chain to person. There's like, I mean, there's mind control. I mean, there's all this other stuff, but the it's just, can- is the, to me like more interesting yeah the, i mean i think the elements here are the stuff that i i adore with franco yeah, yeah I, I, I was into it super. no it's it's very strong it's very lena lena's powerhouse in this it's very much a 
about Lena, what she's going through and her trial tribulations and all the bullshit around her and, and, For sure. and, and the magic voyage of Lena. So, yeah. Really want to nod to you wearing the Jess Franco shirt. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that I wore, the Jess Franco shirt that I wore to your house. That's actually, right. That's right. Exactly. You. That's right. I forgot For Jess that. Franco's birthday. Yeah, Love so, it. Very true. So good to see. All right. Well, I think I'm going to wrap up on this end of the Franco Observer podcast, episode 91, film number 91, Sinfonia Erotica, which is interesting because I was thinking of like Sinfonia, like uh, uh, California, whenever I look at that font. So it's, it's weird, you know. I keep thinking about yeah. how I could change that to California, but I don't know. Californication. So, yeah. <laughs> obviously, but yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. It's well, we are known for after all. Exactly, <laughs> so. free love state of all of the states. I will. I mean, you have to admit that we have the the best culture here when it comes to free love. Yeah, I'd say that or Alaska, maybe. Alaska, <laughs> Alaska votes red. They hate women. Are you kidding? No, it's all about free love. There's a lot of free love up in Alaska. <laughs> Not free if you can't have an abortion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alrighty, well, uh, buenas noches, Maha. Mwah.